Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 16 of The Psychologists Are In. I am Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Tim V. And today, we are talking about the Season 2 finale. Time flies when you're talking about pineapple goodness. Today, we are joined by, we just love him so much, the incredible Steve Franks, to talk about one of our favorite episodes, Sean and Gus of the dead. Enjoy. Hi, Tim. Hey, Maggie. How you doing today, Tim? You look great. Thanks, Maggie. So do you. And I actually got to see you yesterday. I know. Yesterday was a... In human form. Huge bonus day. It's always a bonus when we get to see each other. And your amazing new glasses look even better in person than um, on the, um, the virtual visuals. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love them. I actually really, really love them. My 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 vision. Well, I probably shouldn't talk about this on the podcast. No, you should. This is exciting. This is exciting. This is r- really interesting to everyone. No, I I uh, yes, I I my my vision has gotten significantly worse over the last uh, two years. So I'm just very happy to see, and I love these new glasses. And look at us. We're all wearing them. Okay, how happy, excited, lucky are we to have Steve back? In a very busy time for him, there's so much, you know, going on and and graduations and award ceremonies for your son and everything else. And um, we're so happy that you're here to talk about Sean and Gus of the Dead. We always just feel so lucky when we get to have you. I can't believe we're already at the season finale <sighs> of season two. Insane. And the second season of These Psychologists are in a rewatch podcast. It's crazy crazy to me. It's just crazy to me how it's flying. Um, Steve, I also have to point out your glasses since oh, we're all you. wearing our you glasses. Beat me too I love it. yours. Those are really good. I, I wanted to get the clear frames for a while, but then Chris Henze, our, our other executive producer, had them and I didn't want to be a copycat. And then we were like twins with the clear frame, even though that, I mean, he, certainly he doesn't own that that uh, that look. But I finally had to break down because uh, I, I just need it. What I really like, though, is the is the frameless, which is, of course, not in style. But uh, when you're 6'8", there's very few things that are in style that are either made for you or fit you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, look, this kind of gives you the best of both worlds because yeah. it's a clear frame, so it doesn't... But I, I think you can handle a... I think you can handle a, a, a Tim frame, 
as well. Oh yeah, no, I would love that. And what yeah. Tim just he just he just oozes so much Cary Grant in the uh, in the eighties um, charisma, right? When the when Cary Grant went with the with the thicker frames, he can pull all of that off. Well, I he, think I really I think does. I could do, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it as well. I think you'd be just great, but I have to agree with you that uh, nobody does it like Tim. Yeah, no. that's true. Nice. Yeah. And gee, who helped me pick out these frames? Oh, Maggie Lawson. <laughs> oh, just in New York when we were there for upfronts. For right? The awesome. Yeah, it was it was for the psych upfronts. Yeah, we were there for the psych upfronts and we were like cruising around and we what was that 14th and 7th, I think, that the Soma Scott is on. That's a hell of a memory. I remember that corner very well. There's a subway station right there. Anyway. Was that when we had the party out? Uh, I mean, this is this too inside baseball right now for everybody, but I think we sh- I think this is what your fans probably want to hear about. Is they love had- the inside baseball. We had the party out on um out on the Hudson, right? The Hudson, that's a that's a river. Yes. <laughs> that's a river it was New York City. Yes. The, was it at the High Line? <laughs> or it was out it was out that way by by the water. Oh my gosh, yes, I'm remembering this. I have it's a tremendous beautiful. picture of me hugging Tim so very tightly with the Brooklyn Bridge behind me. Now I'm showing how little I know about New York. So whatever, whatever is, I don't know, maybe it's not even the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I know it's not the Golden State <laughs> or the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, yeah, the Golden not, Gate. The Golden Gate, see, I, my, the my lack of bridge knowledge is really uh, trouble. Golden Gate Bridge, no. No, it wasn't that one. That one we know for sure. <laughs> but if you can find that picture, uh, that would be a very fun a uh, very fun post. God, we had such a good time during those those trips to New York and those upfronts. So and fun. And when we went a for... little too much of a good time. <laughs> One time, Tim had a little too much of a good time. Alcohol poisoning. And uh, and Maggie had to uh, Maggie had to drop off many treats for him to try to get well. <laughs> you rescued me that day. I was like Pedialyte. I'll run to the store and get a Pedialyte, and I left it outside his door. We were supposed to go to we were supposed to go to a museum, very on theme for uh, today's today's podcast. I really like how you tie that in. Yeah, there we go. Because we're talking Sean and Gus of the Dead. Well, hang on before we get into the episode. Steve, I'm gonna put yes. you on the spot a little. I, okay. um, where was your head at? Like, here we get to season. Uh, so the end of season two, I feel like it wasn't until season three that we would we would know before we wrapped if we were picked up. I still think, or or did we know at the end of season two that we were coming back already? Like, did you already have the heads up? I don't think so. I think yeah. they, they never told us in advance. They always made it sound like we're losing so much money on this show. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but we we saw, we saw the ratings. We knew we were doing really well. I think we were pretty confident that we were coming back, which is why I added a cliffhanger uh, yes. to the end of the episode, uh, as if the as if the ending of this episode doesn't have enough stuff going on. Then all of a sudden, it's like introduce Sean's mom. Oh, fantastic! But, I remember uh, reading that. I was like, oh, I get chills just thinking about it. It was such a good cliffhanger. I was like, oh, he knows what he's doing. What? We got to come back now. It's so funny, though, because what you want to do with the season is you want to wrap everything up and you want closure. That's the natural mm. instinct. And then you start and then the next year is about something else. And uh, but uh, but for some reason, it's like, well, there's got to be a cliffhanger. This thing's got to cause people to tune in. And we didn't want to shoot anybody yet. We would, we would do that later. And <laughs> no, uh, Steve, let me ask. Sorry. Was this your directorial debut? It was. Oh, that, and, yes! Holy sorry. crud. What an amazing episode to uh, knock it out of the park with. 
Well, well thank you so much, Tim. And uh, it was, so it was uh, on the pilot, our, the director of our pilot, Michael Engler, uh, told me at one point, he goes, what you got to do is at some point, you just say, I'm going to direct an episode. And I go, well, they're not going to let me direct an episode. He goes, oh, they will. They will. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so he goes, you know, and then just direct one a year. And so I didn't do it in the first season because it was just so crazy. And then the second season, I'm going to do it. Uh, and then, of course, it has to be the last episode. I have to do all of my other job, um, which was, to, you know, to, to, we were writing all the episodes and post and all that stuff. So I, we had to get way ahead down in Manhattan Beach where everything else was. And then I got to come up and play with you guys. And, and I just say it's one of the most exciting, terrifying life-affirming experiences of my life to get to sit at the director's chair. And then just, I, I, I just, I've watched it twice now so I could have some sort of insight on, uh, on what we, we've done. And it's just, it still fills me with joy. I mean, I should know all these jokes and, and all that, but it was, it was just so much fun. And what I really noticed out of this episode, and this is beyond your question, Tim, is how much you guys really just, gave so much extra in in this episode and i'm sure it wasn't for me i'm sure you just wanted to go home but uh but i'm grateful <laughs> regardless it was always for you steve no it no, was, of you it to was say. just it was wonderful it was wonderful and i want to add to it is such a joy because you're in such joy when you're like it doesn't feel like work because you have so much fun and you're so into it and you're so excited that it it just all of us feel that and every day is so fun and so exciting i mean the movies too it's just and this episode i feel like you feel it you can just feel the fun. You had some shots. I called really flowy walk and talks that uh -huh. are really hard to do. And they were beautiful. I could not believe, I, like, I can't believe this was your first time directing. Well, I was clearly the first time director in that I was overdoing everything. <laughs> and, and specifically those walk and talks. I actually, we shot that in the Museum of Vancouver, which is attached to the Macmillan Space Center which will come into play later as we, we go through the uh, episode. I thought that was the Space Center. I recognize that sort of 50s brick wall in the back. Yes, yes, exactly. And there's, there's, a, moment, uh, there's a moment where they're um, where standing outside the loading dock where, you, where Sean and Gus, in the background behind them, is the actual planetarium where, uh, where the first scene of, uh, of Gus and Salinay meeting was, uh, was shot. And the first day of shooting on Psych the Movie 1. And uh, so much of our... So much of our history took place right around there. And I used to, I, I loved that building and I really wanted to, we did this, the space episode um, uh, the, from the Earth to the Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks, yeah. And I, I knew I wanted to go back there and I knew I wanted to do a mummy episode. And uh, so I actually, I, this is one of the many occasions where I bought an annual pass and I went in there and I sat there and I wrote that episode inside the Museum of Vancouver. <laughs> and, well, for uh, much of it. And, That's amazing. Uh, and plotted out like those long walk and talks. I, 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 tried to find, I tried to go to the back of the building and walk as far back as I could and see how long we could make it. <laughs> and uh, and it, it does, it, it goes back to the emergency exit where you got almost where you guys come in and it tracks as far as we can. And then pretty soon we're in the lobby if it had gone any farther. Um, just because I just felt I was just 
dying to to direct and I, I had to do as much as humanly possible. You can tell like we there's even a point um, when in the very beginning when, when Tim and I come in um, where I think I like split off and then I come back around like into the shot. I was like, wow, we were this is very this was cool. This is looking very good. <laughs> yeah, zip around and then I meet McNabb with for the paper. I do remember that being just in a really, really complicated um, walk and talk. But to Maggie's point about um, your enthusiasm, now we say that Maggie is our resident ray of sunshine. You are like our resident supernova of sunshine, if that makes sense. Because your positivity, much like Maggie's sunshine and positivity, you got on set, Steve, and like we know that it's all going to be good. Because you just, you, if it's, if maybe you don't, if there's something like we're hitting a problem, your enthusiasm is just going to like run roughshod through that problem. And nothing's going to get you down. Well, you know, and it's just always, oh, it, it comes from you guys and it comes from the energy and it's, this is fun. This is so fun. It's someone's, someone's giving us the amount of money that they gave us to make these episodes, which I would never tell because of course it's a top secret thing, but we're $47 <laughs> Canadian. But we, you know, we get the, yeah, we do. We get this, this, this certain amount of money to, to play around and, and to tell these really silly stories. And Tim, I, uh, when we did that walk and talk, I have a, I have a very vivid memory of you. And, and actually, we're going to have to beep out what you said to me when I, when I showed you the walk and talk, because I had written a speech that I thought would fill in that amount of space, all, that entire, the entire case is laid out. And I went and walked it back and forth. The poor people that were in the Museum of Vancouver in 2008 or whenever this was, uh, was <laughs> seeing me walk around saying both of your lines going back and forth. But what I didn't realize is I was walking way too slow and that you guys would have to walk at a normal pace. <laughs> you have to talk so fast. And so I kept telling you, faster, faster, faster. And finally you said, and this is where we're going to have to be, but you said, Jesus, man. <laughs> the Jesus man. What do you need me to inject <laughs> in the? <laughs> um, which I always thought was an interesting, uh, an interesting. Oh, that <laughs> metaphor. is that, that is very funny, and that's really good. That's really you, good. If you go back and watch, I mean, it's and the worst thing for you, Tim, is it's pipe. It's you're laying out. You're not laying out <laughs> one case. You're laying out the backdrop for, for two cases at the same time without the audience knowing it. Or yeah. maybe they're completely onto us um, right yeah. from the beginning. But um, And yeah, Maggie, we had to have you spin off at one point because uh, it was hard to hold both of you in the same shot. And, and it was all for the, the sort of, uh, you know, the technical aspect of it. <laughs> and I'm sure the crew is like, who in the world is this guy? Because I go, yeah, so we're going to do this entire building as a walk and talk on day three or whatever it was. And it was early in the shoot. Uh, oh. It, it and was... Think, and Banting was not probably our, probably wasn't our uh, steady cam operator yet. No, and I, here's, the, by the way, here's, here's a complaint about the, um, the streamers. It's like, I tried to watch to see the credits, to see who the steady cam operator was. And I was like, this isn't is this a, this is an Eric Norlin year, right? Or or was it still Don Snyder? Oh, um, in terms of art director. Oh, I I think I thought it was Eric. I think so because I know yeah. Don. She left at the end of one, and because she had to go back, um, and and then I think we I think we went right to Eric because I remember that and and much of that stuff was built. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to all of that stuff. 
but uh, um, but yeah, I wanted to to go back and see. But there's no way that I've been able to figure out, and as you can tell, I'm not good with technology. Uh, that to to be able to actually see the credits of the people who spent the 12 hours on set, you know, hopefully 12 hours, and uh, um, and put all the time into it. So that's that's a little bit of a letdown. But Tim. Don't worry, because your credit is always, always visible. And uh, <laughs> oh, I always checked. There. Believe me. <laughs> I, I, I want to comment too, Tim. Your hair was very good in this episode. It's a little Thank longer. It, it had gotten a little longer. I think I, I can't remember when I was buzzing. If it was at the end of season one, I buzzed all my hair off. Or I know it was, it was um, super short for the baseball episode. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was tight. It, it wasn't the tightest ever. Was uh, was at the beginning of eight. This is really what people are tuning in for. <laughs> it's very interesting. No, this is all good. And by the way, here, here's a here's a, here's another um, um, fun uh, little bit of trivia about the long uh, shot. Is there's a shot later that's a long walk and talk with Sean and Gus, and they're going through the museum at night. That shot, I see. I, I, I may have been a, a first time director, but I'm a really good producer in terms of time and money. So that shot is literally the reverse of the route you guys took. And all we did is I set it up because it takes so long the light. So we lit it. We did your scene. Thank you, guys. You went home. We brought in uh, James and Dulé. We turned off some lights so it looked like night. And we and they, they went the opposite way. And since they were going the opposite way, it looked like a totally different uh, um, place. That Not is play. brilliant and, and very time-saving. It, well, it also it, it's also countering me, the writer, probably writing a script that was seven pages too long. <laughs> so, but it's it was funny you it's mentioned, so um, much fun laying pipe in that in that first speech because I remember watching it and, and just the phrase came into my head of like, "Wow, I was laying some pipe in this one." <laughs> You're so good, and and I know we're going to get to it, but for me, you know, I there there's certain things in in the scene where the chief is is telling telling everyone she's going to she's gonna step down um it's so great and there's so much going on it's like maggie's losing her mentor and and vic is leaving the job that she's wanted and sean knows he has a plan in motion and he's delaying and gus is feeling the emotion but for me that scene is about lassiter seeing blood on the tracks and like it's all about you have the opening. Your dream job is right there. And you just keep trying to figure out how to bring up. Did they mention me? They didn't, but they didn't mention so me, good. right? Oh, God. It's, it's Tim, it is such fine work in subtle, hilarious. There's so much going on that you do in here. That, it's very uh, subtle. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because you both said subtle. Subtle is not normally a word that is used on me in acting. So <laughs> thank this, you. I'll take yeah. it. This it's, is very, that's what makes this so good is the, you're, you're hiding, you're not doing a very good job of hiding it, <laughs> um, but you're trying to. <laughs> of my it, hopeful it, glee. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. Should we dive into the episode and then just. Oh, I thought we were done. I, I think. Oh. That... <laughs> um, only if Maggie, I'm ready to dive in if you're ready to podcast the shit out of it. Tim, I have never been more ready to podcast the shit out of it. What about you? Never not ready, lady. Yep. What about you, Steve? I'm, you ready? Re- I'm ready as as I've ever been to podcast. I, love it. I mean, uh, to podcast beyond the the podcasting of all time. I think he wins. No, I, <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I we'll have to. We're gonna have to do that. Podcasting. The bar has been set high, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it has. <laughs> okay, the finale. Oh my gosh! Wait. I have, well, we'll get there. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm excited too. I really want to ask you about the cliffhanger. Okay, episode 16, the season finale of season two of Psych, Sean and Gus of the Dead. And Gus. You get extra points for this, um, extra credit points for this title, Steve. Thank you very much. It was yeah. it was there for me. And uh, it was it was so easy. Although, you know, Sean and Sean of the Dead is about the zombie apocalypse. So it's it's a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit of a, a push with it being mummy, but the, the titles are always our favorites. Sometimes we couldn't quite find something that was super clever, but uh, um, but th- some of these really hold up. And I love this one because it's so it's so perfect. And a movie that I just absolutely love through and through. Love. Okay, pineapple sighting. There is a pineapple in the kitchen when Henry is cleaning. Really? Oh, there is. I oh. thought it was. I thought it was at the very end. We were probably not as focused on it at this point because there used to. It was always a rule that there would be one pineapple, and you had to make sure. But sometimes in the first season, like because we would send the cuts up to Vancouver, we wouldn't realize that sometimes we just cut the pineapple out. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> this is. This is this is the other thing that happened. I think this is this goes back to the second episode, the the first one we shot, uh, the the debut of of uh, Maggie. But we, I think we were in that hotel, and and Bo Diddley was sitting in the hotel waiting to go, right. and they went and got a release, and they filmed him, and James did an improv about Bo Diddley, and it's like, oh my god, this is so cool, and. Then, <laughs> And we're going back to edit and they're like, we have to get 30 seconds out. or like, no, it's like, it's like, we got to get 12 seconds out. And they're like, Hey, we can, we can do it. You won't even notice anything. And, and me in my infinite, uh, infinite <laughs> greenness said, Oh yeah, go ahead, do it. It'll be fine. They cut the Bo Diddley thing. Oh my God. Uh, like, oh, really? No. no. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so does Bo that Diddley footage never exist? appeared. I, it, it exists somewhere, but I don't know if anybody can find it. Uh, that is but anyways, so we almost had Bo Diddley on the show for, for nothing. For I nothing. being in the lobby and seeing him and somebody going was like, please, someone go ask Bo if he'll be in the background of a shot. Uh, yeah. And, and he referenced him and it, it was, uh, uh, you got to pay attention at all times. That's the rule. Yeah, but, but you learn these things. You learn these things as you go. That's a good one. Um, okay. Cold open. Henry and Madeline watch a scary movie at night with Sean sneakily watching in the background. Henry creeps up on him asking why he isn't in bed yet. Sean explains he got scared from the movie and he couldn't sleep. Henry then gives him a beautiful yes. Ding, ding. Um, thinking this was going to be he'd be watching The Mummy. He's actually watching Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes. You want to know why, Tim? Because it's in the Universal. It must be the Universal Library. Thing. The only thing we could, it's one of the things we could get very cheap. And I had to change Henry's speech because his speech was originally, uh, at, at one point it was, it was, I wanted it to be uh, Night of the Living Dead. That was my original plan. And it was going to be about decomposing bodies and all that. And so this, <laughs> then it ended up, we finally locked up Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hey, great. That's a great movie. And uh, and so it's a recognizable title. So there is this sort of weird amalgamation of like a lot of different things in Henry's speech. But Corbin still sells it like magnificently. It's really funny how Very. sweet he is about bodies exploding and and, and all of that. And the, the other funny thing about this scene is too is Sean is watching from an alcove that 
cannot exist in the physical world. We had to we had to build that out because otherwise he would be at the kitchen. He wouldn't have been able to see the TV. So there wasn't a place that that we could do the angle. So we built out a non-existent space uh, in uh, in the realm of 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 the the set that Sean could kind of duck back there and, and look around the corner too. Oh, that's great. That's great. It's such a sweet moment. Um, okay, so well, we kind of talked about this. Henry gives him a beautiful parenting pep talk about how scary movies are fake, refusing to leave out any gory details about actual crimes he's witnessed on the job. <laughs> Cut back to present day, where Lassiter and Juliet walk around a museum. Here's one of those shots. Um, they meet with the assistant curator, where Lassie has a not-so-hot take. <laughs> and Juliet sternly puts him back in his place. Yeah, we are a little bickery. I like, I like, I like bickery, Juliet Lasseter. I love that one of the first lines we have, the first exchanges in this episode is, is about me and coffee. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm cranky because I've had my coffee yet. Yeah, it's four in the morning. Yeah, it's four in the morning. And yeah. the, the fact that Sean's already up and Juliet's going to call him and he thinks that it's a butt dial or, or, or more, or, or but uh, the other not kind. a butt dial. No, yeah, the other <laughs> kind. Sorry, it wasn't a butt dial. <laughs> a booty, booty call for sure. That's it. That's yes, what we're yes, looking yes, for. Yes, yes, yes. And that I refer to the museum as not even the one downtown, of course, meaning the art museum where we always shoot. That yes. was a very funny line. The I wrote that down. Not even the art museum, not even the museum downtown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that Lasseter knows his museums. Um, Okay, so a 3,000-year-old mummy is missing. The curator confidently mentions she wants Sean's help on the case, where the camera then cuts to Sean secretly taking pictures of a man and woman walking back to their apartment at 4 in the morning. Back at the museum, Sean walks around the room critiquing everything. He even has his classic, I've heard it both ways moment. (laughs) That was nice. That was very nice. Sean notices handprints on the mummy display and footprints on the ground. That can only mean one thing. The mummy walked out on its own. What? Cue the theme song. It's really, it's really magical what James uh, does when he, uh, when he gets there. And, and that recreation is like, I didn't even remember it being that good. It's, it's one of the better um, spooky, fun recreations that we've ever done. I wrote spooky down in my notes too. Like it really kind of builds that it's we it's it's different. It's a little different psych. And there's this great moment where uh, and, and it happens twice in here. I was always our, our composers, John Wood and and Adam Cohen. I was always pushing them to do more John Williams. And there's something that's so out of Raiders of the Lost Ark when you when you see all that uh, with all the mommy stuff happening. That uh, that I, I it was pushing the boundaries of how much of a tribute you can do to, uh, <laughs> to John Williams. And just, I love it. I love it so much that, uh, that, that we have a world we can build and have that kind of music. And if only we could have an orchestra, you know, we, we got it once, but uh, it was for really... For the musical, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yes, it, just for our musical. By, yeah. by the way, this is also, Tim, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not taking your job. This is the birth of Bruton Gaster. It's the uh, first time uh, that we hear that. And then the, the other thing oh, the is... the first, the, you mean? A yeah, psych the first, first? Yeah, it's yeah. the first time we've heard Bruton Gaster. And psych first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's, it, I know it's, of another first as well. Oh, uh, what I is think, that? I think it is. It's it way be. later, though, but the 11-point turn. Oh, yes, the, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the birth of that as well. 
And then the, the uh, dinosaur Zippy was named after my sister's uh, cat that lived to 23 years old. So, oh <laughs> so God, Zippy is immortalized. Zippy in, is immortalized. And that cat it might still be alive today. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows. It just, it would never, uh, it would never pass away. I know you guys heard me talking a lot about vertigo, this like recent bout of vertigo that I had. Um, I've now talked to several people who have vertigo or suffer from vertigo. It is crazy because you are, you're kind of afraid to do anything (laughs) because you never know when it is going to hit. But you've got to check out Relief Band, not just for vertigo, but for a million other things. But this is where I found it very helpful. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, I'm going to throw in vertigo, and so much more. How it works is Relief Band stimulates a nerve in the wrist, that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you are sick. It's like the name says. It is legitimately a band you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea, and you change the intensity depending on how you were feeling to make it stronger or weaker. It's that simple. You guys, it really is that simple. It's very, very, very easy to set up and very easy to use. And to be honest, I never even had to use the higher settings even the lower settings were good enough for me. So I would imagine uh, even going to those higher settings, you're like, good to go. Also, Relief Band just released their newest model, Relief Band Sport. The Sport is waterproof and has an extended battery life and can even attach to your Apple or Android watch. So if you are finally taking that summer trip that's been on the calendar since 2020, as lots of people are, I have got good news. Right now, you can join the over 100,000 Relief Band users with an exclusive offer just for the psychologists or in listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code PINEAPPLE, you will receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money back guarantee. Remember, it's better to have a Relief Band and not need it than to need it and not have it. So head to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D dot com and use our promo code pineapple for 20% off plus free shipping. Back at the station, Chief Vic mentions that she's stepping down as interim chief on Friday. Good old Lassie is thrilled because that means the job is open. So I got to interject. And we made it like not even 45 seconds into the scene before we get a Kristen Nelson, Chief Vic, collar pop. It is a collar pop. <laughs> she looks great. Her hair looks really good. It's very, very, um, she looks very sweet. And when she tells us, I love that the first thing is like, I, I think, do I say you can't do that? <laughs> e? Or something a lot. I mean, I have this just like immediate childish reaction of like, no, you can't leave. You're not leaving me. It's very, uh, very sweet. And she is such quiet strength in in that scene. It's you know, it's she does that so so well. And there, there's so many great moments with her um, in this. For for me, the, the end when she's on the phone, <laughs> she's getting the call, and of course oh. we'll get to that. <laughs> but so her, great. her okay, um, <laughs> she's going to take the job. It's just it's it's totally delightful. It's very good. She has a grace. Um, yes, she exactly. Has like a grace and an elegance about her. Um, 
Okay, at the psych office, Sean watches security videos from the museum. Sean and Gus then arrive back at the museum where Gus has a slight tantrum about the plaque leaving out his photo and spelling his name correctly. Yeah. Back to the scene where um, Vic is saying she's leaving and I'm, Laster's very exciting and hoping that he's up for the job. And I say something very insensitive. The O'Hara head, head slap was, that made me LOL, as the kids say. Speaking of subtle, I appreciated you being subtle with that hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well you know. I'm still there's, me. In the in the world of psych, it's there's nothing better than giving you guys competing agendas. If everybody has a, a different agenda, <laughs> the magic just happens. You don't yeah. you, you just get out of the way. In the and that was my job in that scene, just to get out of the way because everybody mm. everybody had wheels spinning in different directions. And uh, it's just it's so fun when you can I mean, and it's hard to line a story up where everybody has something separate going on. So when you can steer all the stories that in that direction, it's uh, it's just really, really fun. It's it that scene sums it up, I feel like as well. Like that is that is such a pure psych multi agenda scene. <laughs> uh-huh. yes, exactly. Um, um, okay, so Gus has a slight tantrum about the plaque. Oh, leaving out his photo and spelling his name incorrectly. It is then revealed why Sean hasn't told Gus about the case yet. It's simply because Gus thinks he'll be haunted by the mummy. Sean and Gus test out the museum's camera system by running and hiding. You know what that means? Security cam montage. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, that's so cute. But this was so fun. Oh this my was- God. It was, I was so excited to, like I said, I, first time director, I threw the kitchen sink into this episode. And I knew I wanted to do a montage. And I love that Wilco song that we use. So great. So I got to point out one specific beat in this montage. When the boys are talking back and forth on the phone, Andrew Lay says, I saw a guy with a pancake butt. And James says, I do not have a pancake butt. And who walks past but yeah. a cameo by our beloved Steve Franks in his own Hitchcockian cameo. <laughs> and I love this, like, like this blue steely kind of look you give as you go by you look back like like it's very tough and cool and it's very it's a very good cameo (laughs) thank you i i i don't know if i'm misremembering it but i feel like i had the idea to jump in the scene while we were rolling and uh i know we did it twice it wasn't something i planned out like on my other cameos some of them i had to very secretly uh, uh Mm. secretly plot out for months and months like the musical but I, I think I, I went in and ran in and did it. And then we had to do it one more time to reframe for my ridiculously um, um, tall height. <laughs> oh, Half of my head so was uh, was probably gone. It was the first um, Steve Frank's cameo. It certainly wasn't the last. No, no, certainly not. No, I, I, are you kidding? I always wanted to be in there, but I, I, I was operating with a level of restraint even I'm surprised by. So you were a chimney sweep in the musical, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was the chimney sweep in the musical, and oh, I was yeah. um, James made me a, a eight hours worth of makeup for a zombie later too. Yeah, I, everybody, you Henzi, everybody did. Yeah, and also the other the other moment in that that's Dulé's mom, right? Who's uh, who's stopped bothering that lady? Oh yeah, that's right. She's and in there too. Yeah, she was on the site uh, on the set uh, earlier that day. So that sequence Amazing. is just chock full of inside information about it. <laughs> the funny thing is that when James is holding up the carpet um, to, to walk, <laughs> it actually worked. It was a joke. I was like, can we get a square of carpet and we'll do it? And then he did it and I go, holy crap, that actually worked. So we, I actually had to re. luckily we were shooting 
Dulé's side of it later. So I actually wrote in Dulé saying, ah, actually, that kind of works. Yeah, because uh, it, it did. It was good. It was, it was so fun to film. Like I said, I love... If you ever go to Vancouver, and you should, and you should go repeatedly, um, go down to the MOV, the Museum of Vancouver, uh, and, uh, and visit both the Macmillan Space Center and, of course, the, uh, and of course the uh, Museum of Vancouver, which has all sorts of things. Tim, you know, you have a drinking game that you introduce every week. There is a, a fantastic new drinking game I would like to, if, if you will so um, allow it, to the, it. Uh, to the rotation. In this episode, when they're walking through the Santa Barbara um, or the Cedar Center Museum of History, um, if you look, every time you see the word Vancouver on one of the plaques that we can't move, uh, move uh, it, there's quite a lot of them. Uh, you should take a drink because there's center spelled as C-E-N-T-R-E, the oh. proper British way, or the, uh, the, but you see pieces of the word Vancouver so many times that uh, you, you should definitely do this drinking game with something with a low alcohol content. <laughs> it makes me want to go back and watch it now. Watch that, <laughs> watch all those parts. That's so funny. I always try to spot that. A little Vancouver insider. So as Steve was saying, if you're going up to Vancouver with kids or you just like museums on your own. So there's the Space Museum right there, and uh, which is right next, right near the Maritime Museum. Because the season one, I lived right around the corner from these spots. Oh, yeah. You, you had a whole summer where you lived in Kits, right? Or was it two years? I think every summer, pretty much, we would. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful uh, down in that area. And, and you know, it's funny because <laughs> the writers used to accuse me of, of, in my episodes, just writing um, places that I wanted to visit as a tourist. <laughs> so, or downtown in, you know, exterior Stanley Park day. Uh, and then Andy would always say, <laughs> he, would, he would think that I was, I was gauging my entire episode around where my hotel was. But, uh, but for me, it's like, you know, I like that. I also punish myself by more than any other writer in the history of the show, writing exterior woods night, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing, which we're going to do the later worst. in this episode. <laughs> and then, then we end up in the GVRD uh, an hour away on the night shoot. And yep. uh, floating which is up always giant Zeppelins that are just these lighted things. But it looks so good on film that I love it. I, I love being out there. And if, if it happens to be, you know, three degrees Celsius, then so be it. No, I agree with you. There is something really magical that happens uh, in night shoots, I feel like, because it's it's that time of day where every no one else you feel like no one else is working. You're like past the workday and like you're just out. And most of the time you have to shoot at night for um, for exterior. So you're usually outside. You're like in whether the woods or walking on a street or whatever. You're under the stars. And I feel like there's there's always a, like a camp vibe that happens. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because we're so far north, it doesn't get dark until really, really, really late. So if yeah. we're doing a night shoot, it's really, really, really late for us. And it's generally a Friday because it's going to screw up your whole schedule if you do it earlier in the week. But, you know, we only do it once in a while. Whereas you see all these CW shows that every single night when we're coming home from our shoot, 930 at night, they're, the trucks they're are arriving. And you're yeah. like, oh, my gosh. So yeah. I love it, and I, I have to apologize to everybody who had to work in the middle of the woods. But to me, I was I was giddy like a like a school child when I was out there with the and there's always fog as much fog yes. as I could pump into the uh, as the, as they'll allow me in the GVRD. We love it. We love it, though. I feel like um, yeah, some of the favorite my favorite moments are those 
nights we get out there, everybody's a little giddy. Everybody gets a little delirious. Everybody mm. it's, and it's beautiful. I feel like a lot of the shots I have from episodes on my phone are just taken of like the woods and the, a little bit of light coming through and the fog. You can create such a cool, cool world that way. And then in between the shots, we'd all run to the, um, run to the warming tent because we're all freezing. <laughs> I have yes. a picture of us, a bunch yes. of us sitting in the warming tent in front of a heater and my pants are soaking wet because it's, we're in the woods and it's been wet and raining because it's mm. Vancouver. They're actually starting to steam. <laughs> <laughs> These are the yeah. moments though. Like this is what we remember. It's, it's so special. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Pancake butt during the montage. Yes. And we get a little, uh, yes, we get an actorial debut of the one and only Steve Franks. After all of the lights shut off in the museum, Sean reveals that he and Gus are locked in for the night. As Gus attempts to leave, Sean notices there's a camera outside on the grass. Then Jules calls Sean, letting them know that the missing security guard has a rental car that just so happens to be parked right next to the blueberry outside. That was eerie. Um, it was <laughs> a triple punch in on the gray GMC truck. <laughs> I I think I was looking for a car that was even more like. Uh, d- uh, not distinctive because the GMC trucks are wonderful, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but that was the thing that had, had the big letters on it. We had to know that the guy was in the building with him. So Steve, I have a question for you. During this montage, there's many references to Red Robin between the boys. <laughs> so I was wondering if that was a... Um, a product integration? That was, that was a paid endorsement for Red Robin? Do you want to know what's hilarious? Is it was not. <laughs> because I think because... Um, the fact that Sean is just saying it's weird that her favorite restaurant is Red Robin. Um, and I think we had something with chilies going on. It, but here's the thing. When my family comes up, there was a Red Robin on the corner upstairs that was like, and, and my parents would come up, and my my dad is is not a not what they call an adventurous eater. So <laughs> I had to have very safe selection. So we went to that Red Robin a lot. And I, I'm a huge fan of the whis- Whiskey River Chicken Burger. By the way, Red Robin should be paying you guys right now. Oh, and it's, it's, uh, totally. no, well, it's on Robson right in the corner from the Sutton Place. It was right across where, the, the, where there used to be um, Catty Corner Starbucks. Yeah, now below it's Artisia is the yeah, name Artisiano. of it. Yeah, Yeah. Is that what it is? I think Artisiano. Oh, no, no that, that's, the, that's the coffee place. Isn't that oh, that's a, like Aritzia? a weird... Yeah, maybe that's it. Aritzia, like that. the clothing. It's a block long yes. now. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, and it's my favorite place to shop in oh, the wow. whole world. Okay. Yeah. Seemingly. Look at so, us. Wow, we should write a book about traveling to Vancouver. <laughs> we should. I do have to give a, a personal shout out to um, my youngest daughter, Nora, because she was always up there. Her birthday's in August, much like Maggie Lawson's. So we were never in town in L.A. for her birthdays. So, so being the second kid, if those of you who have second kids, you know, they always get a little, the fuzzy end of the lollipop. So for Lily, our oldest, we always had these amazing birthday parties back home. And um, she would get cake on the beach, on kids' beach. So she'd get like an elbow cake. And then, but there was one year we went all out and we did a little birthday party at Red Robin with like some of the neighborhood kids we knew in oh, the neighborhood. So how about that? Red Robin stepping up. Hey, we have Red Robin in Kentucky. I don't, do we have them in California? There are there are there's oh. one not too far uh, from us. There, you I don't see them quite uh, quite as much. <laughs> they was, do. They like we. I mean, I I went there quite a bit when we were in Vancouver as well. Just like some quick, 
you know, comfy food. <laughs> well, and the funny thing too, is we said it once and I think I, I must've thrown it into the thing of, I'm just, what, what's a funny, and like, for me, it's like, I, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to like slam some restaurant I don't like. So I thought, okay, well, you know, it's curious that she would want to go to Red Robin, but then James w- didn't like the blow to the scene. So we sat there and riffed on it. And I think we came up with on the fly, what do they have at Red Robin? Yeah. <laughs> and he sold the, the he sold it so well that uh, the like, what are they actually serving her uh, Red Robin? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I always said in the history of site because the guys are such consumers and fans of everything that we gave away more free integrations than the history of all other television. We're we're that nice. We did yes. Okay, so we've had, right, I call Sean. Okay, so the car is parked next to, the truck is parked next to the Blueberry. Sean drops his phone and it breaks, which means they are locked in overnight with no phones and a potential convict on the loose. Walking around the museum. Spooky. So good. good. Sean realizes the Confederate flag has dust on the bottom of the frame and that there's a cracked gun in the case. How peculiar. Sean notices a fridge as well and opens it only to find the missing security guard dead inside. Again, you know what that would mean. So that must mean that the security guard was... Murdered. <laughs> Correct. Sean and Gus <laughs> then arrive at a graveyard. Julia, oh, Julia, Julia, I'm, uh, I'm Julia. I'm sorry. Nice. Yeah, uh, nice. I, I answered to both. I answered to both. <laughs> I was about to, Julia, uh, there's, there is a first, another first right here. And I, oh wait, maybe it's not. It's probably, no, it's not a first. But in James's long history of doing something very simple that he makes seem a thousand times <laughs> harder than it is in the real world. And that's opening the fridge. It's <laughs> the best. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled down on. Yes, I realized he also did that in the in the dinosaur episode, which would have to be before this because the dinosaur is the catalyst and and uh, to that. So certainly, certainly it would be uh, it would be there. But so but funny. I love if you if you just go back and watch James's face, he's trying to just pull the simple handle on on an old fridge. It's a great bit. It's so funny. It's always funny. Um, Juliet mentioned security guard was strangled to death, but the hand was wrapped in cloth, which means. A mummy did it, obviously. Obs, obs, obses. I think one of my favorite my storytelling devices is that is that it's often the third act break when the impossible <laughs> is what's ha- supposedly what's happening. <laughs> it's and, a mummy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much. It, it's so much fun, and, and whenever we can get to that, it's it, it's glorious. But also, what's really fun here too is the hard cut counterpoint where Sean promises Gus you're not going to the museum. There's not going to be anything spooky. A hard cut to Laster having a body exhumed from, <laughs> from a graveyard. <laughs> it's um, so good. Just yeah, trem- the casket coming up. Yes, exactly. It's it's just tremendous. And, uh, uh, and, and I learned something very important, once again, as first-time director. And because I end up writing often in cemeteries. And it's very, very, you have to be very respectful when you shoot at a cemetery. And we shot at an actual cemetery on the way up to the GBRD. So I can imagine the schedule was tied to the night shoots, which, by the way, I also didn't write you guys into the night stuff in the woods. So um, <laughs> so that, that was at least Thanks, a, thought, a little bit thoughtful of me. I love but, it. But what I realized later, and this is when, when you all have your own television shows, is 
you don't need to go to a real cemetery. <laughs> you put three fake headstones on any grass area in the deep background and everybody thinks you're at a cemetery and it's a thousand times easier. So, But I love your authenticity, Steve. Yes, exactly. I love it. We got to, you know, it's, it's, sometimes you just got to really feel it. You got to feel where you are. <laughs> Tim, do you remember when they, when they were pulling that, that, uh, that coffin out of the ground, it was swinging around so wildly, but you, you wanted to be so, you wanted to be like literally guiding it out. Like, like it was, you're the crane operator yourself. I so I was remember being, because I, I'm, once again, safety is like such a, a, a important thing um, on sets naturally, but I, I get so nervous and you guys always want to just like, oh yeah, throw me in there. Hold on. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll go and do it. And so <laughs> what is imagining? Cut to Maggie going, Tim, stop. Tim. <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. Every time I'm like, bubble wrap this guy, please. If yes. As you um, walk up, you're in a, in a dusty rose. You're in a blush pink top. Mm -hmm. And I have a new variation on, on a drinking game. Oh, nice. So I think oh. previously one of the drinking games was you'd take a sip of whatever beverage you want. Could be apple juice, um, although it's not nearly sure. as fun. It, it, on the Pepto Pink. So now it's called Pepto Drink. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just Pepto drink now. So you have, to, you, have to, you have to drink Pepto I, when it happens? No, you have to take a shot whenever Maggie's in Pepto pink. Oh, okay. Okay. It's good. been sort All of right. long running. Or, a, or a, it sounds like a distant, even a distant relative, uh, Dusty Rose could, could pass. Yeah. I think when we do the next psych movie, um, somebody has to um, say the words Pepto pink. And uh, that will yes. be, a, it'll be yes. self-reflexive right back to this, uh, to this thing. This this whole thing, I love it. This was a Tim. That was a Tim. Tim Tim came up with the Pepto Pink. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's a thing. I think you and I are in in the red family this entire episode because I'm in a red tie like the entire episode. Yeah. And I think you. I don't think you ever changed out of that. Well, maybe you're pretty much in that blush rosé. Shall oh. we say rosé? <laughs> rosé all day. Something you're familiar with. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're familiar with rosé. Yes. I like. I like. It's I like. Type of wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. Now we are back at Henry's I was, home. I was very proud of coming up with Pepto Drink. Pepto Drink is is is. I think that's the name of the drinking game. Although it could be very confusing. It might be. P Pepto should also be a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pepto and Red Robin, give us a call. Okay, back at Henry's home, Sean explains the situation he's in, and Henry gives him advice. Henry also awkwardly asks Sean to see him on Saturday for a reason he can't reveal yet. Hmm. I have something for that, if that's okay, yes. when I feel like I keep interrupting. But uh, awkward class has to have been... That's your job. It's got to be a James improv, because it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And, so uh, good. And I don't think I, I don't think that was it. That could be in my brain. So I do want to like I, I'd love to give credit where credit is due. Uh, and Corbin in this scene, Corbin is talking so fast. I think I just wanted everyone. I think it was finally my chance to have everybody talk as fast as the screwball comedies that I uh, grew up loving. But Corbin is unbelievable. Uh, it just flying through uh, through his dialogue. And the secret with Corbin, and, and you can take this, and it's not a drinking game, but you can notice it throughout the show, is you must always give Corbin some actor business to do. And so this time I gave him, uh, I gave him the cleaning stuff. And I remember we did the first take. 
and Cartman wanted to be washing the dishes. And he's going through all this dialogue, and all you're hearing is clang, 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 no, clang, no. clang, clang, clang. <laughs> so I I was terrified. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to insult him. He's he's great. He's he's killing all the lines. And then I went back to the prop guys and I go, give me some soft paper towels and a spray bottle. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like anything that doesn't make noise. And it was so great because I, I was able to shoot through the glass, Henry uh, going through there. So it, it it actually made for a way better scene. And uh, and with actors, it's important to like, what do, what do they want to help them to whatever they're and Corbin loves business loves business mm-hmm. you know and I, I'm sure I mean you guys all like you don't want to just stand there but I think with Corbin the more business the better he and he does it so well yeah it's, it's a good good bit there you know someone did a side-by-side of James in black and tan and Corbin in the first movie I did see that it was so funny I because I called it out in the last episode we did that I believe Henry is wearing the exact same outfit that Sean in the oh first God. psych movie that Sean is wearing as his model outfit in black and tan and someone did a side-by-side and it's crazy it's the same hat the scarf the whole situation it's great oh my anyway. gosh we have to see that i have to yes, see that i did love seeing yeah i saw them the tweeter i love somebody tweeted it the all-powerful maggie lawson put out the bat kid call the i do i ask the psychos for things i'll say like find this scene yeah they're the best um, okay, so back at the station, Juliet Lasseter and Chief Vic meet about having a party. They also overhear a news anchor on TV talking about the case Lasseter is currently working on. Sean and Gus arrive back at the museum, and a creepy warehouse worker in a wheelchair greets them. Sean notices there's a tripod outside again. Then a person takes it and runs off in fear. Turns out, uh, this was very sweet. She's a film student. Gus flirts with her. The shot where I'm where we're in Vic's office and um, the news story comes on the, and I'm trying to sort of, again, that word subtly, but not really subtly listen to catch the news story. Cause I want to see if I'm in it. Uh, <laughs> that comedy bit was so fun that I got that you let me do that. The, of the leaning back in the chair. Oh so my good. gosh, Tim, it was, remember what we did. We put the table as far back as we could. Cause we were trying, we lo- it was so funny what you were doing. We were trying to give you the maximum amount of territory that you could push back to. So we got it all the way back to the <laughs> to the wall. And it's just so darn funny every time you lean back a little further, a little further. And then you really forget how far you are. And I, and it's now I, I looked at the shot. I wish I'd put the camera up higher to make and make it feel like you were even further back when the reveal was you were on the side, on the other side of the room. But your tiptoe <laughs> pullback of the chair. <laughs> oh, so it's just magnificent it's so funny and and that's what it's you know people don't realize is like that's something that you know it's not on the page it's uh, <laughs> something that that tim thoughtfully thought okay how am i going to get this chair back and just tippy, 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 it's it's magnificent and, just, and it's still so, lassiter whenever you yeah. have like even these comedy bits it's so it's adorable because la- we see these sides of lassiter it's still in his like lassiter veil frame whatever but like it's very funny it's just it's these instincts we have as people we can't hide and he's he's terrible at it <laughs> he tries so hard so maggie cute. there's there's also a a sort of a sub runner i guess what you call of juliet loves to throw parties for people under any <laughs> circumstances <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it happens so throughout true. the show at Laster when, when she invites all the criminals over to Laster's house. <laughs> it's, it's like, 
it's I think you're so excited about well, about planning and how you're uh, how you're gonna do it. And it's I, it's um, really sweet and fun. And for a while, there's you know, there's even in that episode, um, oh my gosh, it was Andy's episode, uh uh Homicidio, where I uh, harass a female cop because I'm so desperate for friends. <laughs> so I think there's also that element too, where it's like, oh, people, <laughs> friends. Let's well, have a party. It's the great dichotomy of the character that she she believes I need to be, I have to put my whole self into this and <laughs> everything to be the best possible cop of all time. But at the same time, she's yearning for for a for a life outside, you know, and it's totally and how do you how do you balance it? And it's 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 really wonderful to watch that whole journey happen throughout the course of the show. It's fun. That's also like kind of a Maggie thing too. I wonder if you writers picked up on. I was always like, let's do mafia night. Let's all hang out. Let's have a, <laughs> let's all go to dinner together. Um uh, there's definitely a cruise director aspect to you. Yes. There, there is a cruise director. And, and, also, and also coming out of that scene, by the way, is, is the other obvious first-time director thing where you go into the television and come I, out of the television in another location. I was doing all the obvious things. I had to, I had to get all of the shots in. But I, they're great. Like whether it's, I, 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 that's what I thought when Tim first brought up the scene he was going to say. That's why I went like that because like the shot going in, the shot coming out, it's very good though. And and that reporter is standing in front of that door that used to be right near your trailer, Tim. Uh, that door that is like it's like two steps, but we play it for City Hall all the time. And whenever oh, we, amazing. it was right on our uh, on our lot. And she's literally standing up, up sixteen inches <laughs> off the ground, but it looks like she's at the top of the of the stairs, giving the whole the whole backdrop of the yeah. uh, of the case. And so it's it's really funny. Like, oh yeah, we must have done that. Yeah, I love, uh, this is great. I didn't even know that. Okay, I'm going to go. Okay, so we have the film student now. Watching her footage, they notice a mummy in the frame. Gus runs out immediately. Sean then notices the car lights on the van, meaning the mummy drove away in it. (laughs) Sean and Gus then begin to chase the van after Gus's incredibly long 11-point turn. Psych first, I think, and the beginning of many, and one of my favorite bits of the show, uh, runners of the show. Always. It's so good. Yeah. With a strange turn of events, the van goes off-road and hits a tree. Gus and Sean sneak over, flashlights and bats in hand, only to find the mummy inside, no suspect. Sean claims he can solve both cases at the same time. Turns out the warehouse worker in the wheelchair teamed up with Lassiter's perp to commit the perfect crime. Except, not perfect, because they got caught. Back at the station, gifts are sprawled out on the chief's desk. But the best gift she could receive is the call from the mayor explaining she's no longer the interim chief because she is the official chief. I got an objector. Sorry. It's like first, the woman who comes in, sticks her head in the door and says, phone call, chief. It's the mayor. Is our dear Pegine, our back, our great background performer, Peg. Oh, got, love got a Peggy. line. Love Peggy. Peg's first line on the show, which was really exciting to see. Peg, Peggy worked with us for years. Like worked Eight with years. us the whole the whole season or the whole show, and she was so sweet. The the just the warmest, loveliest person. Um, it was very good to see her. It was nice to see her. Yeah, it was that. so gr- it was so great to give her words because uh, yeah. she is she's just like it, she just brings a smile to your face uh, on the set on a on a set that uh, that has nothing but smiles. Yeah, uh, and there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She fit right in. And the great thing is in that small little recap that you did, Gus and Sean bail on each other twice. 
<laughs> like Gus with the with the uh, the pullback when the reveal on the video, the, the the whole shot of of the chair spinning and Gus has already ran out of the room. Just watching it on video so uh, was really fun. I, I actually was really excited because I wanted the chair to spin. So I think I went in there, spun the chair, and then sprinted out so it would still be spinning by the time uh, Sean turned around. Uh, that was movie uh, magic. And then, and then we flipped the script and we had Sean leave on Gus standing next to the van, which by the way, that van uh, stunt, as we call it, a van was driven by our stunt coordinator, Dan Shea. And Dan Shea was also the guy who ran through the woods who you can't see running at all (laughs) in the frame. Yes. So so Dan Shea, uh, you know, is, is uh, all over this thing. And the fun thing, thing about that spot that exact spot is where the macgyver cabin is where we shot one maybe two ways out it was mm-hmm. the right behind it is where the the cabin the, the same cabin that uh, despero gets shot in uh, extradition two it's the uh, 50 feet away from where they dig up the uh, body in the last episode or where they where they find the where they go to the site at the at the very end of the breakup. So that we spent yeah. so much time on that little road because so it, many memories. Yeah, it was easy access. So that's your GVRD um, breakdown for the thing. And also, <laughs> there's pineapple of the gifts that the chief is receiving in that final thing. That's where I saw the pineapple. Yeah, me too. That's where I thought there's it was another be. one that, that we have to look for, but that's very exciting. So that shot in the woods, Steve, you as the director and producer think of all the other places, all the other temples you shot there. I, the actor, thought damp, cold, and wet in a long drive home. It is, it is such a long drive home, and, and, the, oh, yeah. uh, and your trailers are so far away, and it's, uh, it's a tough spot. But that spot in particular, you're on this road that goes on forever, and all of a sudden you just turn off. And that's actually the moment, the place where the van actually skids off. And you go down this little road and there's a little cabin there and there's a perfect amount of space to shoot everything. Yeah. You could shoot you could shoot an entire episode within a 50-foot radius of this area. And uh, you know, of course, yes, it's cold. I'm uh, you know, but I I do um I do love shooting in the woods, even the daytime, nighttime, wherever it has to be. It's always it's it is cool. And like I said, it's authentic, you know, yeah, you're not exactly. on set, you're in it. And, and, and by the way, another piece of psych trivia. I'm, I'm sorry, there's too much psych trivia, but no, but, never, uh, never uh, the girl enough. plays Hannah, the uh, the uh, the film student, is Allie Liebert, who's a hilarious uh, actress. So and, good, she's so good, and I, I, it's so funny because I'm like, wait, I know her. Yeah, I forgot she we, did the show. When we were writing Psych the movie three, I was thinking uh, when when we were writing Bryn, the the character who we ended up, of course, uh, getting Katie Finley to do. I was thinking it would it was an Allie Liebert type, and Allie, it turns out, she was in another country doing another movie, and <laughs> much more important than our our thing. But fortunately, we we got to use Katie again. Um, but yeah, she's uh, great. But that was such a, a fun uh, that was such a fun scene to do. And in the back, there's a uh, there's a poster of a movie says Center of the Universe, which was actually one of the, the first long form video I ever did in film school. So super double inside uh, um, inside That's baseball so right there. Oh, the psychos are going to go crazy. They're going to love that and go back and watch it to find it. That's really cool. Now they're going to go find that on, on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, we'll get a uh, they, screenshot. They'll never, they'll never find it on YouTube. 
That sounds oh. like a challenge, Steve. I you know. don't know these people. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? <laughs> okay, wait. Let's do the last scene because I have a question about this. Okay, okay. Back at Henry's house, he pines for Sean's attention on a certain secret subject, but Sean avoids it. Attempting to leave, Sean answers the door only to be greeted by his mom, Fade to Black, end of season two. Okay. Did you... Was that just a cliffhanger? Did you kind of know, like, we're, like, she's appearing immediately? Oh, because we pick up, don't we? Yeah. We pick up right away in season yeah. three. Yes. Yeah, we, oh, so good. Yeah. And I I have to apologize again, and I'm, I'm good at all these apologies, by leaving these cliffhangers, because as actors, when we shoot 16 episodes, you have a long amount of time to come back. And when we... When it stops at one second and starts again, perhaps you would like to change your hair once in a while in your life. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, nope, In the, this picks up three, three minutes later. So everybody is beholden to go back to whatever, which gets us into wigs. Or if you, if you, if you do another show, if you color your hair. Yeah. This, this one, I would, Steve, I would always pitch at the end of the season. If I, could, I wanted to go on a hiatus and grow, grow a big, lasser, epic king's beard. To come back the next season, it's like last year's gone serpico. It never worked out because the next season always started the second of the last season ended. Tim, I uh, I told Maggie earlier, um, I was just on another podcast and uh and they also had to split that one into two episodes, like my last <laughs> psychologist podcast. So my goal now is not to talk so long that you have to split it into two episodes, but to go for three, which has to be <laughs> has to be like the record somehow. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Okay, be two more things. A mile and a yeah, half. tell us. There you go. Exactly. Okay. So um, we should also talk about that Sean has fishy when he's in the uh, in the psych office. Yes. The, the one thing that Kirsten took from the set at the end of the uh, at the end of the, the series, and Kirsten's phone conversation. I mean, a lot of this episode to me was rooted in this, the, the whole idea of the screwball comedy, the, the talking fast and, and all that stuff. Even the, uh, even the, um, the bad guy, not the bad guy, the dead guy is named William Wyler, uh, William Wiles, which was mm -hmm. named after uh, William Wyler, the director from the thirties that no one remembers. It's, so it's, it's really cool that, you know, the, 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 these little things here, but Kirsten on the phone with the mayor is the, the traditional variation of, you don't say, you don't say, uh -huh. you don't say. Yeah, right. uh -huh. You hang up. Yeah. So what happened? He didn't say. But for her to have to do the whole one side of the conversation and her okay, and when she accepts the job, it's just like, okay. Uh, um, and I didn't, I didn't do justice to it. Did, please it was pretty go good. back and watch, watch what she says because it's really just, really just super subtle and very funny in an episode of people talking super fast and doing all kinds of screwball I things and running away from mummies. Uh, it's it's really really good work, and you know I I don't need to tell you guys that um, that our cast is amazing and uh, and the people that put on the show are amazing. But starts the, with you, Steve. Well, you know, and it goes to to all of you. But the the most amazing capper to all of this is you know that that mummy room that uh, that it houses it. We had to build that because we couldn't we couldn't find the space to fill it in in the actual museum of Vancouver. So we built that on a stage. And once again, I hope it's Eric Norlin. I think it's Eric Norlin, who's a genius. But uh, uh, I believe that set um, was built all by him. And it was great because I needed, I needed to shoot straight down to, to show 
that we worked so hard to keep Gus out of the beginning of the story just so he could walk in and discover both the fact that his name is not on the Super Paleo Sleuth um, placard and, and that, that he, he will yeah. not go into a uh, to a mommy room. It's and so, so good. It was so great. And what we did at the very end of the last day of shooting is Richard Coleman, our AD, who is uh, uh, who is a tremendous musician and will use any opportunity for um, for music to be created. Um, we set up a stage and uh, and we played a show uh, in that set in the space um, surrounded right. by the the sarcophagus or the snuffleupagus, as James calls it in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> and it was uh, it was tremendous, and it was uh, just uh, just such an exciting, fun way to end the second season. And here we are on our soundstage with this unbelievable set that uh, that that we've done. That all of our cast members have have come through, and and it was just a it was a celebration of like, wow, we should do this for six more seasons and possibly six movies. Yeah. I, I think that is exactly what was happening. That manifestation was happening. Also, that was our from from that point forward. I think that kicked off the 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 mini concerts we'd have for yes. our either half rap or like mid rap or rap parties, where Richard always performed. Marco would perform. We'd all get up and sing. Steve would perform. Like it was really really special. And you guys were so, I mean, so talented anyway. But it just was was. Our, I think that really sums up, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people are ready to, they rap and they're out of there and they want to leave it at, you know, it's, and, and I feel like for us, we're like, no, <laughs> we got to celebrate. Let's keep hanging out. We just always wanted to keep hanging out. Well, and the fact that, you know, when we do 16, we'd start in April, we would usually end October. Sometimes we'd bleed into uh, November and then we were dealing with snow or whatever might happen. Yeah. Uh, the fact that w- it was that cold and uh, and the weather had turned so much to have everybody stick around to the end because it's it's just a good time and it's good people and uh, and where else what other show does a Patty Simcox reference uh, from Greece? <laughs> I wrote that down. I wrote down <laughs> Patty Simcox. It was like it's so funny. Um, Greece is the is the answer to this very very personal trivia question with me. It's the first movie that I ever watched in a theater. And then turned around and went right back in the theater and watched the next showing. <laughs> I totally believe that. I feel like it has like fun. There's like the period, the time frame element, the the musical element, the fairy tale element. Like there, it's funny. It's it's a show. It's such a performance. It's big. It's a very. I could totally see that. I love yeah. that. And and what you didn't realize when you're a little kid. First of all, there's. Oh, sure. There's a lot of problematic things in that movie uh, when you watch it. <laughs> but With any movie. What you didn't realize is that all of the high school students were 37 years old in that movie. <laughs> you do when you get older, though. <laughs> yes, exactly. And when you're younger, you don't know that. But as you get older, you're like, Hol- holy hell, these people yeah. are like older than... Like Olivia Newton-John was a senior that year. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, Fan questions. Oh, fan questions. Let's do it. Actually, we were... one, one quick, quick, quickly comment. Steve, I love how much in this episode you referenced the screwball comedies because at heart, I always thought this was a Preston Sturgish production. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's, and just just the best. I so do cool. love that that sort of approach to it. And, you know, and it, we walk the tightrope a lot, but with, with the screwball comedies, they really walk the tightrope because it can fall apart at any, at any second. And when, and when you, when you hit it right, it's just so, it's so exciting. It's like, it's like having 
injected into a part of your body. <laughs> I, by the way, let me just say for the record, never done before. Same. <laughs> no intention. Saves. No, um, has the guy who apparently asked you that question. Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> that is so funny. But I just love I still remember the way you said, good God, man. <laughs> I can say one more time faster. Go, good God, man. <laughs> it was That's very dumb. Preston Sturgis in, uh, in itself. That's so good. It's funny, you know, jobs I went on to after psych. So I love the fast talking. I love, I love all that screwball. I, I, I live for it. Every time you and I got a chance to make it faster and funnier, we definitely embraced it. Totally. And, and every show I went on to after psych or after that, they'd be like, um, you, you can slow down <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I like the the rat a tat tat. Um, yeah, well, and we, and we forced you into it too because I mean, uh, you know, I wrote um, a lot of words. Andy Berman loves words so much that he would actually change all the margins and shrink <laughs> the font amazing. so he could get more words on a page. So you guys were talking, but it's you know what what Andy writes is so fast and so brilliant that uh, that you want more words. You know, even when yeah. you're having to cut the the little things out. But sometimes you're like, uh, even in this show, I, I was like, okay, what, wait, what? <laughs> just like one of the um, strange side effects of my um, brain injury was I've had to overcome is I would tend to speak way too fast. Oh yeah. Mm. Like I would, just, I really had to work on pacing down my, my speech because I would just rattle through everything and no one would understand things. And then my brain would not, my mouth would not catch these at the same pace as my brain, like right now. Well, you know what's so funny though, Tim, is like you talk at the same pace you've always talked at, which is such a testament to yeah. um, to your recovery. Yeah. Is like you you, you didn't never slow slow it down. This is uh, to me. It's like I'm talking to Tim from 2009 right now. Yeah, he yeah, just happens to have a Tim. tremendous beard that he didn't have back then. <laughs> From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really, really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. You guys, Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. This app, you guys, is so easy to use. And I know that it sounds too good to be true. It is not. I have used it and it works. It is an absolute no-brainer. I'm, I can literally go shopping. I'm going to go shopping <laughs> with all the money that I have been saving um, with Upside. To get started, you download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use my promo code PINEAPPLE and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, Claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with the credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times, three times more cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands too. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. You guys, this is no joke. You have to try it. Download the free Upside app and use promo code PINEAPPLE to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code PINEAPPLE. 
Fan questions, hit it. Fan questions. Sybil Shepard. Was Sybil Shepard cast as Sean's mom when this episode was shot? No, which is why we had to have, we had to, I wanted to hint at Sean's mom at the beginning. So we had that, we had an, someone who was an extra there. And then the voice was not the person. I think it was, it was, uh, it was just added after the fact. So we couldn't, because we didn't want to, A, we don't want to give away in the cast because they list, they break down the cast and all that stuff. So we wanted to keep at least that secret. I don't know what value that has, but we want to keep something secret, but we did not know until the next year. Um, what we wanted to do. And I was working towards an end game. And this is this is going to be like a teaser for season three, because I knew that the next episode, Ghosts, was going to be a little darker than... And I, what I was really working towards is Sean has carried all of this anger and blame to Henry all this time and blames him for the dis- dissolution of the marriage and and for all that falling apart and the reveal that Henry was the one the whole time who was trying to keep it together and his mom his mom needed to move on for her own sake and um and that was going to change the dynamic their, of their relationship for the rest of the series so we knew that that the character was going to once again Sybil Shepherd one of the greatest fast talkers of all time, yes. you know, um, you know, not just moonlighting, but with Peter Bogdanovich and all that stuff. Um, that we, you know, she was obviously the top of the list. I named the character uh, Madeline after, of course, Maddie from Moonlighting. Yeah, thinking, no, we're not ever going to get Civil Shepherd. So when we offered it to her, I was like, I should change the name. It's embarrassing that we're offering her this character that's also named Madeline. But I kept so I kept Madeline the whole time oh, in there. And that but case, it was just called Manifestation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, I tell you what, you say you're going to do eight ser- uh, seasons of a series uh, out loud. It happens. I do. I do believe you put things out into the uh, into the universe, and uh, I do too. Oftentimes they come back. But it was really it was really exciting that. Because so often, especially someone like Sybil, who's so funny and and so prolific, that she's off doing something different all the time. So the fact that our schedule is going to work out six months later and that uh, she's going to be able to come up to Vancouver or want to come up to Vancouver to do, you know, a one offer, as it turns out, a a handful of them um, is just, you know, it it was just positive thinking and there you know we we had a long list of, of backups and the fact that, that we got her is really exciting Amazing. one of my very first jobs um ever in like 1997 i want to say was i played her sitcom daughter on her show she had a series with sybil. christine baranski sybil yeah yes and and she was on a show uh in the show and i played her obnoxious uh sitcom daughter so it was very cool to see her again and she totally remembered which was really neat for me. Um, uh, can can we call on the psychos to to find those scenes and uh, and they're they're hilarious and uh, and sure yeah let's find those oh my god please make it happen people please they they will okay what inspired this episode where did the story come from these seem like they're one question uh, well it's in in my once again in the the sort of dream list of worlds it's always about the worlds I knew I wanted to do a mommy episode. Uh, I love the mummy movies uh, so much. I love the supernatural. Uh, it, when I get to do a supernatural show, I uh, I would love it. And uh, you know, and pretending to be supernatural is uh, has been the closest <laughs> on this thing. But uh, I love I love spooky movies, and you know, not the way that James does, 
but uh, um, not to that <laughs> level because that's impossible to achieve. Yes. Um, but I do, I, I really wanted to do something that, uh, that, that incorporated like a, a fun, spooky story. And I love theme parks and museums and things like that. So the fact that, you know, later we're going to go into, uh, into the aquarium, then the right. next episode I direct, oh, maybe it's two episodes from now. I don't, I, I know I, I was directing two at some point uh, a season because like Michael English said, direct one the end of each season. And then I directed this and I go, okay, I got to do two. Two is, uh, two is the yeah. minimum. <laughs> yes, I, of course. And at one point I tried to do three and they're like, no, you can't. So, uh, cause it was just, I, I had to be in, in LA right. at some point. So it, uh, it was like, um, uh, yeah. this is a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Cause it's, you know, prep, it's shooting. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's, it's weeks and weeks. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, and, but it was, but I finally got to come up and play. And this is the weird thing about having a show that's, you know, that's in Los Angeles is a show that like I created and there's like a whole other group of people that are doing it in another country. And, and I would have to fight and fight to come up on just to be on the set for, for a couple of days. And, and I figured out with the directing, I had to be up there for two episodes, one episode for prep. And then that's so fun. And if I did two episodes, I'm up there for four episodes and now I'm there a quarter of the time. And then I can come up during the regular time. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you just, you finally get to feel, um, you get to play, you get to be in the world. You, you set, I mean, it's still, we had our own world down there in the writer's room and, you know, and Andy is so hilarious and all the writers are hilarious and the post people are amazing and we're, we're having a great time down there but uh but to get in there and to be sit in a chair and to get to call action and uh and and to see you guys in process and to keep telling tim okay you can do it a little faster um is it's <laughs> <laughs> just glorious so when you have your television show all of you make sure that you go up into the country where it's shooting even if it's budapest or uh <laughs> or somewhere you know in the uh, on the other side of the world make sure you um make sure you you find a way to to be there as much as you can i love it okay we already answered this was the shot in an actual museum yes it was but it was the it was more of a the museum of vancouver which go to their website i think it's mov dot something yeah <laughs> Okay, how long does filming take for an episode? Uh, that's um, always was we got seven days, and occasionally we would get eight. eight Remember right. when we get the eighth day, and uh, it would be so exciting, and the schedule would come out, and you know, instead of eleven page days, which I think on the last podcast, the one that I don't, I haven't heard the one that that isn't out yet or just mm. came out. Yeah. Uh, but someone said, "What? How many pages?" Asked how many pages we do. Yes. And the record for pages. Uh, Maggie was a day with just you and I. It was 14 pages and we shot it in the rain in Chinatown. It came after the Yang episodes where Maggie was working in City Hall. Your, your story oh, I remember. Was, uh, yes. yes. We, we had to shoot all of your scenes for this office. Sean and Gus come in and all that stuff. We shot 14 pages in one day and in one of the most torrential rainstorms ever. I remember. And I, I don't want to say the torrential rainstorm made it that much harder, except for there were noises on the windows and uh, from the sun. Because Andy Andy Berman shot his polar bear episode in the worst rainstorm in the history of uh, of uh, Stanley Park. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> so I, and then James, of course, too. shot uh, shot his uh, found footage uh, of Bigfoot episode 
in also in one of the great storms of all time. Yeah, we were uh, but like that's, sinking. It was yes, very but funny. Maggie, you hold the record and it was primarily you. Uh, and it was, I think, the last day of that shoot. So yeah. sometimes we get eight days and the schedule says, oh, four and two thirds pages for that day. And then five and, a, and then, so uh, or actually not thirds, it would be eights. Right. But, uh, right. but then what happens is other episodes suddenly like, oh, we need a quarter of a day to shoot this thing for this other piece. And then slowly that day just disappears into, okay, you have like a morning you can shoot. So I think this one, we shot seven, but I think we had a little bit of an extra, a little bit of an extra day to probably because of the GVRD and because yeah. we were exhuming bodies and and all of that <laughs> stuff. Do you okay? Do you guys like shooting those long walking shots with lots of dialogue? That's a question. Uh, that's a question for you guys. How do you guys feel? I love it, love it, love it so much. But it's so much pressure because you're 40 seconds into this amazing speech. You've been talking so fast, and instead of door, you say floor, and it's like cut, start over. When you're also walking behind a city come up right, who's got a million pounds worth of gear on his or hers yeah. hips and back. So you feel really bad when you screw up a line and you're like, sorry, buddy, back to the beginning. <laughs> no, I, I like the challenge. It, it's that fast talking thing again, too, where it's like, you know, I don't know. I kind of, I like, it feels very uh, dancey, like choreographed, like flowy. And so I don't know. I like, because when you get it, yeah. Like it feels, it just feels so good and you know, it's going to look so cool. Yeah. It, it is so much energy and so much excitement. I really loved watching that, that scene with you guys. And when, you know, it's like, there's so much going on and like, how is this four in the morning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lassiter has had his coffee. What are you talking about? Uh, but the other funny thing too, is what you can do if you have to is, you know, just put a camera way in the back. And so you can go to a long shot to cut, to tie it together. And then we did another thing where we put you a little bit, once once it spins around and, and he finds the museum curator, he we then have you follow a little bit behind. So then we can do a, a dedicated steady cam shot of you that we cut to, to sort of when we need to cut something out or... because. Let's be honest, I overwrite everything. So <laughs> you see, like, I don't need those words. You don't need those words. So you want to be able to tighten and trim. Well, that's good because I tend to overact everything. So <laughs> <laughs> we're a great pair. I uh, love it. Do you guys have a favorite scene from the episode? I think for me, it'd be um, Sean um, James's reveal of the mummy and how the mummy got out of the snuffleupagus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. Um, yeah, I probably have to say, I mean, I'm, I love the chief scenes just because of the, of what's, of all of us there. And I love when we all get to be in a scene together and everything that's going on in those scenes. Steve, what's yours? Well, I mean, of course I love the walk and talks. I love both of them. I love being in that fifties room with all the neon. I was so, so determined to, to, Put the I, I had to put our, the fridge in there, so I had to make sure. And of course, it makes absolutely no sense that there is a fridge on display, but it's plugged in and it's operating. But that at least explained why they nobody smelled the body after uh, <laughs> right. after that amount right. of time. <laughs> but I, so I love that stuff. I love being in the G. I had so much of this was just it. It was such a joy to relive all this. Uh, and I loved James doing his uh, impressive breakdown when he comes when he's doing push-ups on the side of the sarcophagus and uh, in his recreation. <laughs> so good. The the eleven point turn was so fun oh. because 
you know, it was it was just an idea that we had to see, see how long it can take to get out of there. <laughs> and we didn't have a crane that day because probably we couldn't afford it. So what happened is we put Marco on the tallest step ladder we could at the very top of the loading thing. I was so terrified for him. He goes, oh, this is nothing. This is nothing with the big heavy camera. So that's not a crane. That's when you look at the way high shot that looks straight down, that's yeah. Marco holding on uh, for dear life of that. And this it's just amazing. really impressive. And yeah, Marco, I, you can't say you can't say enough uh, great things uh, about Marco and 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 what he means to our show and, and as a person and a talent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who is the most superstitious in the cast? I might say me. I know it's not James. No. James seems to want to test fate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm of- very, very like, don't let's not jinx anything. I remember, you know, we've all, we've always talked about how none of us bought a place because we always felt like the if as soon as we would buy a place, um, the you know that like we were on a good run of getting picked up. So uh-huh, let's just yeah. keep things as they are, whatever. And um, Dulé and the pilot said, we, you guys should buy something here. We should buy something here. And none of us listened. And we probably should have. <laughs> probably should have. <laughs> I don't know, Tim. Would you think that? I think I might be. I think I might be. I mean, I know you lived, I remember you lived in a couple of apartments one time. They were kind of down on the, um, just down on the, uh, near the beach where you were like, there was one apartment you had where it's like, this apartment's cursed. I got to get out of here. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely very, very sensitive. So, um but I'm also big, like you, Steve, you were talking at the beginning of the podcast. You're like, I don't want to say anything negative because we don't want to start anything off on a negative foot, no matter <laughs> what, even though we might even cut it. You're like, I don't even want to say it. I'm like that too. Well, I like, I don't even want to put it out there. Well, and you know, what's funny too. I mean, even to take that even to a, a more ridiculous um, level, when I was writing this episode, I went, there was a, a Egyptian mummy show at, at, a, um, at a thing. And I'm like, I shouldn't go in here because what we're doing is we've disturbed these, uh, the grave sites of all that. And so uh, I was very nervous about it for quite a while. Ooh, <laughs> I see. That would totally be me. I would totally yeah. think the same thing. Um, well, guys, that's our episode. Oh my gosh. That's it? Is that's there it. any... Is, there's it... no way we can split this into three. <laughs> I mean, we could. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else we could, we no, could do. Yeah. Should we just do our own drinking game? <laughs> Last week, in one of the fan questions, somebody asked what our um, model duo name would be. Oh, yeah. When we were talking about black and tan. Yeah, yeah. And I was, um, I finally figured it out for the, um, be blue and steel because of our eyes. <laughs> there we go. Yes, Tim. Blue and steel with black and tan. It's better than what I came up with, which I don't think was anything. What did we say? Beauty and the Beast? Beast and the Beast? Beauty and the Beauty? I don't know what we said. <laughs> I think I came up with Beauty and the Beast at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know to add to the uh, the black and tan, which I wasn't on, but uh, my favorite word in that uh, entire episode is the way that Melanie says dinner. Um, dinner. She says it with she gets the she lets the accent fly on it, and it's uh, go back and watch it because it's uh, it's totally delightful. It's, it's the way I want to say dinner from now on. The, uh, the only other things that I missed from my notes is um, I love the word smelt. Um, and I love that they got, they got smelting as, as much as possible. Um, I love the, um, I love Gus's line. It says, now we got a mummy on the loose and the son of a bitch knows how to drive a stick. Um, <laughs> That's great. That was, uh, that was uh, super fantastic. Um, I love the night cycle run, the, the name oh, of the cool. girls uh, thing. I thought that was, uh, that was really funny. 
Um, and this might be the um, the origin of creepy Gus sniffing um, because when he's sitting behind her and she pulls the hair out and Gus is is doing, like- which uh, to me is is just always so funny. And then, and the big problem for Gus's inability to find companionship in his life is probably based in the sniffing of it all. Um, so. Yes, I love it. That is so. Uh, that is that the first. It might. I think that is the psych first. Maybe it very well could be. But yeah, uh, yeah. And and then last thing on my notes was the nook and cranny conversation, which uh, um, which was once so good. <laughs> James James so rarely um, gets gets bogged down in anything, and he just he's like, you know what? We we were making time. We we're doing a great job. Richard, I think, was very happy, and he's like, you know, whatever I had written, it wasn't great. And so he said, Look, we can fix this. We can fix this. So I literally told Richard, okay, we're going to shut things down for a minute. And James and I are going to stand in the corner and we're going to come up with a new thing. And, uh, uh, and Richard was like, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> nook and cr- You're discussing a nook and a cranny. And that's the level that, that James bring. And, you know, and oh, it was, I love it. It probably felt like an hour and a half. I'm sure it was three minutes and 10 seconds before that entire nook versus cranny <laughs> conversation was uh, was put together. But uh, um, it, was, it was well worth it. And uh, sometimes when you have your own television show, all of you out there, please make sure, take a moment. If it goes too long, stop. But take a moment, get the blow to the scene right. That's very good advice. And you always did. Listen, even if you have Richard Coleman, your first lady, then standing and saying, we have got to go. <laughs> got to go. We have to roll. We have to. Just his very sweet, his very sweet British way of saying, go, 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 go. Richard is um is is the proper English gentleman and and everything he does. And he he does Andy Berman once again does a great impression of him because Richard wants to get right to business and start the ball rolling right away, but he manages to to, to reluctantly take the time, I mean, not reluctantly, but he comes in and Andy does the funny thing is he comes up and he says, first of all, good morning. And then he goes right off into a run of a, but it's always <laughs> to make sure you say, first of all, good morning. First of all, good morning. And, and then pleasantries yeah. are done. Yeah. And now it's off to business. And uh, Richard has been our savior uh, so many times. And especially uh, being a first time director again, it's, yeah. there's, there's so much going on and could have fallen apart. And in so many ways, but I had you two there and, uh, and, and an amazing cast in, in the cold of October of Vancouver and just one of the great life experiences of my existence. And I'm so happy to, um, to be able to do it with you guys. We're the lucky ones. We are the lucky ones. Steve, we love you. And um, we cannot thank you enough for all of this time and love and joy and excitement and all the tidbits and all the behind the scenes and all the everything. Um, we are the lucky ones. So thank you. I'm lucky. And thank you for being forgiving when I called the Golden Gate Bridge the Golden State Bridge, <laughs> um, when I did not know any of the rivers around <laughs> New York City, couldn't commit to a single one. And or the bridges. When, you were, when I, you were saying the word Juliet, I called you Juliet. So there's three times... <laughs> Where uh, where I went off the rails because I talk this fast all the time, but and I'm we, uh, so happy to be it. here. I can't wait to do another one, and uh, I love the show. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I don't think I missed an episode yet. Oh, Steve, thank we are you. incredibly lucky to, that you would give your time to come talk to us. Yeah, 
always, every time. Always. It's so fun because you're, you have that still. It's as if it was like your first day on set again. And it was like our first, we get to relive all of this and all of your uh, excitement is, is just as it was then. And it's so fun because we feel the same way. So thank you. Thank you. So, so glad we got Steve to join us again. You know it's a good one when Steve apologizes for talking too much. We like, we can't get enough of him. He like can't talk enough. More, more, more Steve. Anyway, thank you all again for listening to the season two finale of The Psychologist Are In. Follow us on our Instagram at The Psychologist Are In and our Twitter at Psychologist Pod. Oh, also please check out our Moment House live show this Sunday, June 26th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We will be talking about the psych movie, the very first psych movie. Tickets are available at www.momenthouse.com slash the psychologists are in. See you guys then. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.